Welcome to the Thriving in the Word podcast. We are so happy to have you listening today, and it's a great conversation that we have as we dig deep in the Word. If you're enjoying the Thriving in the Word podcast, we'd invite you to like it on whichever podcast service you use, leave a comment, a rating, review, even share it on social media. Let your friends and family know about what we're doing here. We hope that you enjoy this edition of Thriving in the Word. So, anyhow. (laughs) Look at the proud. Yeah. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. That's right. Mm. Well, pride is a recurring uh, theme that we face. seems like every book that we study, uh, that that theme uh, tends to rise to the surface. And so uh, so today we're we're, we're jumping back into Habakkuk. Um, We've got Ben, Dave, Johnny, myself. Uh, Lenny's not with us today. But uh, let's dig in to Habakkuk. A lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff in here. We chatted a little bit about it last week, but I feel like we barely scratched the surface. So, um, so let's jump right in. So, verse eighteen in chapter two, we talked about it last week. So, what good is an idol carved by man, or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a god that can't even talk. And again, that's an analogy for today. We might not have a specific idol carved today or, or cast images, but we have other things that are idols that are analogous to idols. Who or what do we trust? We asked that last week. Who do we trust? What do we trust? Because sometimes it's a what. You know, do we trust the gold coins that we've collected? Do, do we trust uh, you know, all the money that we've collected, our possessions, or other people? Yes, to all Who of that. Who is it? Yeah. All of that? Okay. <laughs> Well, who is it? Or do we put our trust in God? I trust re- actors. Actors is There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Especially <laughs> crisis actors. <laughs> celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Celebrities, celebrities. So we trust celebrities. So Any celebrities, <laughs> celebrities, let's take that, Judas. Celebrities, in effect, are analogous to the Babylonians or whoever in, in all the books that we've read. Uh, they're idols. They're cast images. That's all yeah. celebrities are. In, in, that, in that 218, the reason for Babylon, Babylon gets punished here after they... Invade Israel, and this is what uh, God is talking about here. The reason for Babylon's punishment is failure to recognize the Lord, and that's why we're all going to get punished. And I don't mean us sitting at this table necessarily, but I mean as a race, as human beings on here, and what we're doing to this world, we're going to get punished as we're not recognizing the Lord. And is is you're saying then they're you know they're 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 searching out Bibles, they're seeing who's got the Bible app, and people that are searching out the Lord are, are, that, are, uh, that are the faithful, if you go back to that verse 4 that I read at the beginning, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Uh, these are righteous people, but they're being persecuted. And, and the, rest, the rest of the people are going to get punished. Everybody, as we've been reading in here, gets their comeuppance from God at some point. Mm. That, that, that's what I think adds so much to the importance and the power of the Bible. The Taliban are going house to house, they're looking for Bibles, they're checking for the Bible app. And I'm like, if they're, look, if they're so worried about it, but I, I thought it's nothing, it's just a book. Why are you so worried about it? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> they know that it has power in it. Yeah. And, and that, that it, it is, uh, has the power to set people free. It's a liberating force. You, you look at, at banned books across the world and, and the Bible generally tops that list. Number one on another selling on another list. Okay, well, number one seller, they, number one band. Yeah. Why are they trying? As we've talked about in this 
in this meeting several times trying to turn our country, let's just take the United States, into a secular country. Mm. They, they, are, they are diminishing, deteriorating, denigrating anything that has to do with faith, a Christian faith, mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, big tech it, is it, censoring it, prayer now, yeah, too. Yeah. Prayer they're, is going to have a fact-check thing on it. Right. And all of this. It is. So, I'm not even joking. So, you're going to fact check your prayer. Well, it's rhetorically, yeah. why are they doing this? Because well, we're not know. sure if your cousin's sick or not. Well, they're, well, they're saying it's like it's like it's, they're trying to make it so like prayer is not a remedy for right. ailments. But there are tons of scientific studies that show that it that it does have a, a positive um, absolutely yeah. benefit. Does. But yeah. going back to the Bible, yeah. what Judah says, yeah. because you know Ben says, you know they're taking this away in in, in Afghanistan, the Taliban. But, as Judah said, because the Bible has power, and they know that. Prayer has power. Mm -hmm. Prayer has power. Reading the our Bible relationship, does. Yeah, our relationship to God and the Trinity has power. I want to talk about um, Habakkuk 2, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, which is right above the very famous, Behold, uh, his soul is puffed up. It is not uh, upright within him, which is in four, but the, faith, or, excuse me, but the righteous shall live by um, faith. So that's, that's chapter 2, verse 4, but let's go to 3. For still the vision awaits um, its appointed time. It hastens uh, to the end. And this is the ESV that I'm reading from. It mm -hmm. will not lie. Now, if I'm reading this correctly, this is God speaking now, mm -hmm. right? Yes. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. Mm -hmm. it, will it will not delay. So I'm going to read it again. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, and it will not delay. So this is what's interesting. I read that and I had that highlighted because God is eternal, which means time does not affect God at all the way that it affects us, yeah. right? No. So, so God's, God does not have a timeline, and yet what do we have? So I'm scrolling through my social media um, on my phone, and I'm on Instagram, and what do I see? I see, I believe it's Life Church. It's, uh, the pastor's name is Craig Rochelle, right? Mm -hmm. And he's, he really captures me because he says this. He says... You know, what is God? And God essentially is best defined by love. Now, I would argue with him because I would say holy, but whatever. You know what I mean? Just theologically. But he says God is best defined as love. You know, Who first, is God? First John 4 says God is love. So yeah, I'm, true, true. You know. yeah. So, exactly. He's not off, but there's yeah. just, God is definitely more than just love. So, so he says essentially God is love. And then he goes on to say that we're called, you know, he's, what's the greatest of all the commandments Jesus has asked? And he says, you know, love God with everything you have and then love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we're called to do, right? And he says how, and I'm sure some of you guys have seen this already, hopefully you have. I'm always in a hurry, he says. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm always in a hurry. I'm always mm -hmm. rushing my kids, my wife. I'm always got to get to do this, that, and I'm always rushing. And he says, love is patient. Mm -hmm. So if I'm always in a hurry... How can I be patient? Yeah. How can I be loving if I'm always in a hurry? Mm. Jesus was never in a hurry. Yeah. Eternal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? So, yeah. so how often are we in a hurry versus how often are we patient? Huh. Are we focusing on things above or are we focusing on things on, that are worldly, which is the world is our enemy, it says in Scripture, right? So yeah. we're, I think we're all guilty of this, and that's why that was so profound. So when I was reading this again, and it says, if it seems slow, Wait for it. Mm. It will surely come. It will not delay. Yeah, mm. for, if, if we need an example of impatience, and there certainly are plenty, but let's take this past weekend when the weathermen said there was going to be a huge storm, and then just take a look at any grocery store or stop and shop. You want to see impatience? You yeah. want to see, you know, anywhere. People, we're in a hurry. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. So very, very profound, and something that's easily overlooked because of mm. the beauty and the popularity of the following verse, which was that the faith or the righteous shall, um, excuse me, the righteous shall live by faith, right? So, so here, here's what I'm saying, right? In my personal life, I know that there's people that I care about who are waiting for things, and they get frustrated, and it's very easy to think, well, why, why is this not happening? I prayed for this. Mm. Why is this not happening? Like, why isn't God, let's say, healing mm. this person? Why isn't God helping in this situation? You know, I'm doing everything right. It's just like the story of Job all over again. I'm doing everything right. I'm charitable. I care for the poor. You know, uh, I love my family. I'm faithful. I attend church. I attend, whatever, whatever your Christian checklist is, am I being a good person, right? Mm. None, of that, none of that is really going to have um, an effect on God's plans, you see, God's plans will affect your life, right? Mm. But our plans do not necessarily affect God. Right. We can have an influence with God, especially when we're in right relationship. Yeah. But are we in right relationship with the checklist? Mm. Or are we in right relationship personally to our Father who is in heaven, mm. to Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit? Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, patience and... The lack of hurry is, uh, I think, another critical thing. You know, the, one of the, the, the famous modern stories, um, this uh, pastor was being, well, really looked up to this writer, um, one I always look up to as well, this guy Dallas Willard, um, who's just written just some amazing, amazing books. And, um, and so this guy was talking to Dallas and saying, you know, um, it's like, I've been, you know, applying these things. I've been growing in my faith. He's like, you know, but you know me. He's like, what, if, if you could look in my life and say, like, one thing that I, you know, I need to work on, what is it? And and he's expecting him to say, you know, pray more, read more scripture, you know, fast more, whatever. And, and he, he says, he just looks at me. He says, and in his calm, slow way of talking, he says, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And And he's just like, it just... He's like, well, no, 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 I, I want something else. It's like, get, 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 give me the three points. The th three. He's like, no, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And, and so many of our lives, it's like, yeah, it's like we're, we're always hurrying. We're always on the move. We're always impatient. I want what's next. I want this. I want that, you know. And, um, and like Ben brought up, I mean, Jesus was, was never, never in a hurry. I mean, he, he allowed himself to be interrupted and never condemned those people who interrupted him right right i mean he he just went along with it and he allowed the will of the father to uh to move him and yeah how many times in our own lives are we just so, hurried so, and, and and as a result of hurry what does hurry do hurry gives us tunnel vision so it's just like the faster you drive you get tunnel vision. You're not paying attention to the things on the side of the road. Yeah. You're only looking at what's directly in front of you. And hurry is the same way. It gives us tunnel vision that we can only see what we're focused on, but we miss all the opportunities, all the, the acts of service that maybe God has put alongside the path. And yeah. I think hurry has a lot to do with selfishness. Like I know in my own life, the reason why I rush is because, well, I just want to play one more round of this video game. Or I just want to, you know, do a few more casts while I'm fishing when I yeah. got somewhere I got to be. Yeah. Or, oh man, I forgot to get gas because I was busy doing this. I was so busy focused on what I wanted 
that, you know, the things that were bringing me, you know, the little squirts of dopamine and serotonin into my body where I was like, oh, this is, this is what life is about. It's about feeling good. And mm-hmm. that's not what life is about at all, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And now I'm late or now I'm going to be late if I don't rush. Or now we have to hurry up and be wherever. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like it's, it comes down, I guess you could say, to time management in, in one aspect because you obviously can't really slow down, can you? Not when the world has so many demands of us, right? You either have to sacrifice social life mm-hmm. or sleep. Or family time, or personal alone time. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important when you see that, like, Jesus gave up his life for us, right? Yeah. For those who would actually receive him. And it's like, are we giving up our life back for him? Mm. Like, like, and I'm asking myself this because it's something I've been wrestling with for a while now, which is, am I dying for Jesus yeah. by living for Jesus? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah no, I'm not, you know? Yeah. 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 And I try to, you think know? of something, John, and I'm picturing the disciples, the original disciples, the 12 people that Jesus selected, 12 men, women, and what you just said, what did they give up? Think about it. What did they give up? They gave up their lives. Yeah, and it wasn't people say, oh, well, they were just poor. They were this. No, Matthew was a you know, tax collector. He, he, you know, even though he was despised by the Romans and the Jews, he still had a really good life. Comfortable life. Comfortable yeah. life. And, uh, you know, these guys owned a fishing business. Um, they were doing fine, you know, for the times. But they gave it all up. Jesus says, come. So, again, your rhetorical question <clears throat> you're asking yourself, and, and I like those questions, that, you know, have, have I done this? You know what have I what have I done? And I think about it, and I think I'm guilty, and maybe others are. Though I don't like to include others in my my guilt is that I think when we become a Christian, or when I follow Christ, and you know, and I and I think God is on my side. That you know, I'm praying that everything should be fine, everything should be good. I should have a great life, and that's why we get to that question, or people get to that question, and say. Why does God let bad things happen? You know, why have bad things happening to me? Even going back to Job, because you and I have talked about Job and texting. And just because we're good, just because we're a Christian, did anybody promise us, and Jude, I hope you can comment on this, did anybody promise us a good life? No, Jesus said be prepared for trials. You're all going to have your cross to carry. And yet we think that everything is going to be, you know, whether it's hurrying, we hurry from this, because we got to do a little bit more of this. we got to have the all-pleasure issue, that serotonin, whatever it is that makes us feel good. But, but that's not the way it is. There's people in this world that are Christians that are really being Christians. They're, they're dying for Christ. They're giving up their lives for their faith. And we've talked about this way in the past, but it just came to me as you're saying this again. Jesus didn't promise that when we became a Christian, we believed in him and we said, yes, we believe in you and in, in you, that you died and you rose again and that we can have salvation, that everything is perfect then, then. That, okay, our lives are going to be golden. Mm. Yeah, but you know what, you know, we said, you know, like, what did the apostles give up? They gave up their lives or they, or they, or they, they gave up their life. But that's actually not the, the true spiritual nature of reality. What actually happened was they gained life. They gained eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, yeah, that's actually what happened. But in this, you know, we talked about the, the the goggles or the lenses. How are we viewing the world, right? When we're talking about, you know, let's say it's the Reformation guys or you know other authors who talk about theology and the writings. It's if we look at it through a worldly lens, we're dying. If we look at it through the Holy Spirit's lens, we are gaining eternal 
life. Mm. And that's what it comes down to. This, all this that's here in front of us, this table, these lights, this building, our cars, our houses, it's nothing. It's yes. dirt. It's, it's, it's extravagant and artistic dirt piled up, right? Yeah. That's, that's all it is. It, it all is temporal. It goes away. Yeah, but what I, doesn't? What is eternal? God, I said it before, God is eternal. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. His kingdom come. His mm -hmm. will be done, right? Yeah. And, and God, and you're right, John. It, that that's the way of putting it. That they gained a life, but what did they need to do to gain that life? They had to give all of this up, as you're saying. They had to give all this up. Just walk but, away. But not to earn to, it, though. But not to earn it. Just to be theologically clear, you can't earn your salvation. No. But no. you but you can receive Jesus, and you can give him your heart of stone, and he will give you a new heart of flesh, and you will see. You how do you know that you're that 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 you're actually saved? When you call on the name of the Lord, it says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how do you know? You truthfully, in your heart, know. You don't have to do it in front of anybody. You don't need some public declaration, even though baptisms are beautiful. You actually humble yourself and you call on the name of the Lord to become saved. But how do you know if you're saved? In my opinion, the Holy Spirit begins a work in you. And this is just my opinion. The Holy Spirit begins a work in you where you begin to feel uh, convicted about maybe it's sin or doing the right thing, an opportunity. All of a sudden, it's this, it's this new sense of yourself. It's this new awareness of your surroundings. And all of a sudden, you can reflect on after you've called on the name of the Lord and you see, well, I did help these people that were in need. Oh, I did repent of this sin. Oh, I did confess it. I did do, so all of a sudden you see these. I call them like the fruit of the spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. All of a sudden, and not you just didn't that. Come up with that name. Well, of course I didn't. Of course I didn't. But, <laughs> like, yeah. I call them yeah, the fruit yeah. of the spirit. Well, 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 I do though, right? Because it's biblical, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, yeah. so so yeah, so so it, it is the fruit of the spirit biblically, right? But also you begin to realize that there are spiritual gifts that you've been endowed with, mm -hmm. whether it's exhortation or whether it's evangelism or pastoring or teaching or gifts of administration. All of a sudden you start to notice like. I have these skills, or maybe you have the skills your whole life, but all of a sudden you begin to be more spiritually aware of what this is all about, what existence is all about. Mm -hmm. So it's just super important to understand that kind of thing. Like anybody can be saved, but mm. they can't be saved if they don't know the gospel because the gospel is the good news of victory, of what Jesus has done, that he, he literally overcame the world. Mm -hmm. All this mess that we're talking about this morning, it's a, it, the world is dying. It right. says it in scripture, the, mm -hmm. this world is dying. Yep. And it's and it's actually yearning for the new creation because yeah. it knows how, how much it's already been ruined by the fall of man. Yeah. So it can't wait for this new kingdom. We're we're the ones that are still trying to fight to hold on. Yeah. Which is the sad part. Yeah. You talk about the spirit, and and I hope that we will. I know we've done Romans, but I hope we get mm -hmm. back to it on here. But as soon as you said the spirit, and I always ask God, you know, to lead me away from my sinful nature into a life in the spirit, and in Romans. If we can skip there from Rome, because it's apropos to what you just said, Johnny, what we're talking about here. Chapter 8, verse 1. In, in my subtitle on here, it says, Life in the Spirit. Paul says in my book, So now, and I, and I, and I circle that word now, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What you're talking about. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And it goes on. This is a beautiful passage here about the Spirit and letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace and all this beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, but all about salvation. Chapter eight. Yeah, yeah, I love this. And so you made me think of it because I, I refer to this passage a lot because I ask God to lead me away from my sinful nature into a life in the Spirit. Lead me along the right path toward Jesus and salvation. Right. So, so uh, the righteous 
shall live by faith. Perfect example of that. Now, Habakkuk 3, verse 12. This is uh, the part in my Bible that talks about this. This is Habakkuk's uh, prayer or response after from hearing from, the, from God. So Habakkuk 3.12, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Selah, right? So this is almost like a song kind of a prayer. It it's is like a song. Yeah, it's like, it's like a worship, right? Yeah, so yeah. when I first saw the word Selah, I was like, what does that mean? So I had to look it up, yeah. and I saw that it's almost like a, like a rest in a song, rest, or it's yeah. like the end of a song. Yeah. Pause. Um, so again, we're talking about God's salvation. We're talking about the, the righteous shall live by faith, right? Or the just shall live by faith. And here, here Habakkuk is singing that, you know what? I was asking you, where are you? Where are you? But I see you now, mm-hmm. right? I see you. I know who you are. You are the person that Threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. So, who is God's anointed? Obviously, Christ Jesus is, means anointed Jesus, right? But we're the anointed. We are His children, mm. right? The the faithful remnant, the 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 people who truly believe, the people who call on the name of the Lord, and are working in tandem, submitting to the the will of the Father, seeking His face, mm. inviting the Holy Spirit in daily. And being aware that God is everywhere right now, that Jesus is in this room right now. He is in all places, knowing all things, right? You know, uh, back up to verse 2 in the same chapter. Chapter Um, 3, yeah. Yeah, uh, this is the beginning of this uh, song of Habakkuk. Um, And the NLT says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And your anger, remember your mercy. And, and just, uh, I don't know, I think that's a, a prayer that's relevant today. Um, that God is still moving. And even in our deepest need, he is there for us and, and will help us. He's our ever-present help. And it says, in, in your anger, remember your mercy. And, and I just uh, think that that's, you know, he's acknowledging the fact that God is, is angry by the um, ungodliness of uh, his chosen people in this context. But, you know, I think, I mean, even you look at the world now, and I think there's so much stuff that that uh, that has the potential to anger God, not that he's flippant and fickle and highly emotional like we are, but after all that he's done for us, I mean, it, it seems reasonable that there would be a certain level of anger, you know, at looking at the world. I mean, you, you look at, you know, history um, of the Old Testament and with, with the, the Jewish people, but also with other nations, right? There's other nations that we get these little side notes of him bringing destruction. We talked at length about Nineveh, right? And, and how it's like, this isn't even God's chosen people, but yet he was angry about what was going on there, or or Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And, and he went, and those weren't, you know, the Jewish people, but yet he saw these things and said, this is just an abomination, um, and, and I'm going to wipe it out. And, and I look around at the world that we live in, and I can't say that any of these ancient civilizations were much worse than where we are. I mean, the, the one thing that, if anything, maybe we're not as bad at um, from a, you know, Comparison standpoint is just the brutality of things. We, we don't, we haven't quite stooped to those levels um, yet. But 
morality is at an all-time low, in my opinion. I mean, it's just like um, there's just this disregard, and not even a disregard, it's a disdain for all things holy and right. Right now, our, our world is uh, looking down on those who identify as followers of Christ, you know, Christians, and those who put a great emphasis on prayer as being a uh, potential for healing in someone's life. And, and it's like they, they start looking at all of these things, and, and, uh, and I, I can't help but think that, man, God is, must be looking down and just being like, well, you know, like like that that verse you read before is like you think it's not coming but but it's coming you know we, we do know that there is a judgment that is coming and I can't help but feel like everything is just escalating at this rate where where they're they're poisoning the minds of our children and Jesus himself said it would be better for you to have a millstone, a millstone tied around your neck yeah. and thrown into the ocean and drown than to cause any of these little ones to stumble. And I mean, we're seeing this in, in Thrive Kids, you know, where, where we're dealing with these, some of these issues and, and just this mass brainwashing that is happening in our uh, education system on, on a lot of things that even to, you know, talk about them, it's like if, if you come out against some of these things, then it's like, oh, well, you're just bigoted and biased and you know, whatever, um, some fill-in-the-blank phobic. And that's that's not it at all. Hmm. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with there is a right and wrong. There is truth. Hmm. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And truth is not up for debate. And people want to debate the truth. But the truth is never up for debate. And, you know, I mentioned it when I preached but this, this thought is kind of like stuck in my mind about the truth is not intimidated by our feelings or by our opinions. Just because you say, well, I don't think that's true. The truth isn't cowering in fear, you know? So you say two plus two is four. Well, I don't believe that. The truth isn't like going and cowering in a corner. Oh, they don't believe this. It's like, I don't care if you believe it or not. This is true. And you can decide to ignore truth at your own peril. Right and and people do that all the time. Yeah, it's true. like like you, you get these, I say kids, but it's not just kids. All all these people who want to push the limits of of selfie taking, right? And they get into these precarious places and situations, and they're taking these selfies and then falling to their death because, well, I've never died before, so why would it happen now? You know, as if somehow that has some indication. It's like, well, well, you, you're forgetting the. The, the, the nature of what you're doing here. It's like you're putting yourself in these dangerous situations and and then you suffer the consequences and then we call the consequences unfair. Um, and that's what our world is is doing by and large. We're, we've, we've created a system, we've created a structure, we've created a society right now that uh, has swapped the price tags, that has changed the value of everything and human life is worthless unless if it fits our agenda, then it's worth something. And you can't do this and that, but you got to do this. And, you know, all, all these different, you know, inadequacies, all these different, you know, I mean, we, we were joking about 
before about my my body my choice it's like the 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 hypocrisy and some of these statements that people are are making and, and we see it and it's easy to see it but you call it out and you're bigoted and it's like well the truth is not intimidated by our wishy-washiness yeah re redefining yeah. yeah redefining terms is the problem here we live in a society where it's okay to redefine the terms right. of what a, or the definition of a word so i said this before and i'll always say this because it's I think it's profound. People will say, oh, that's just your truth, man. This is my truth. Right, but what yeah. they're doing is they're replacing the, uh, the word experience with the word truth. Right. So there, there's subjective truth, which is like, you know, how you feel about something, yeah. which isn't truth at all. It's just your experience. And then there's objective truth, which is objective reality, which is this is real because we're not, we don't have to redefine what this word means to make it fit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, you had mentioned Judah there about you know human you know in, in life or something value there, and it just struck me that this is what is going on that individuals, even if you're part of the movement or whatever you want to call it, let's say socialist movement, human life means means nothing. It's the movement. If you do everything for the movement, because they will eat their own if it oh, comes yeah. down to it. And you've seen that. We've seen it's in the news right that. now. Yeah. They're, they're eating Biden. <laughs> exactly so excuse me so it's just the movement you're doing everything for the and this is where they're turning everybody right now in addition to what you you guys are saying about you know changing the meanings of things reversing making this opposite than that getting rid of gender getting rid of family of faith as we talked about before the, the party the, of science yeah the, only, the party that, of science but that's all that matters is the party it's not any individual it's just a party. You do it all for the party. And, and this is what I see happening. And everything is pointing to that. Yeah. And you mentioned Judah. And I, and I want to just bring this up again because we've talked about it here and there. But just as a point of fact, as you mentioned that you know, Nineveh and God you know, was concerned about them and about other Babylon who he punishes. To me, and I know you guys would agree with this, that just shows me God's sovereignty over everything. Yep. Every, every country. That just Israelites in the Old Testament, and people need to know that. It, it doesn't matter if you were Jewish or, or if you're Jewish now or you're not. God has sovereignty over everyone, every country, every person. You saw it in the Old Testament. We'll see it in the New Testament. We see it today in our lives too. It doesn't matter where you're from. Mm. Everyone is searching for meaning. They're searching for meaning in culture, in individuality. They're looking for the meaning of life. They're looking for what's their purpose, right? Yeah. And this is the, the way the world is going is whether it's AI or automation, like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I think it was Elon Musk who brought this up. Uh, he, he said, you know, when everything goes to automation, you're going to see a lot of depression and suicide because people aren't going to be needed for the workforce anymore. And they mm. built their lives in a system. It doesn't matter if it's economic, you know, capitalism or social, whatever. But that's what their purpose is, is to be this cog in the machine. And that's what gives them their value. And based upon how many, you know, Chuck E. Cheese tickets or tokens they get from their job for their hourly wage or their salary, that determines, well, then I get this type of car, which means, you know, I'm in this class level, this social class, this social hierarchy. And if I have, you know, this, that, or the other thing. So it's like when you strip all that stuff away, who are we? Who are we if really? If you're in the party, you're nobody. And mm. that's what I was just saying before. Yeah. You're nobody. Because you've given up everything else to work for that one little thing that they might reward. They, whoever they is, this party that control the party, that wants to take over and do away with everything, the party of science, if you will, is yeah. to use Ben's terminology or phrase, 
We're nothing. That's who we are. And that's what they want to do, take away everything. Everything human about us, everything God-like. This is what it, this is what it means, though, to walk humbly, right? Is humility isn't thinking uh, less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Yeah. It's thinking about others. It's, it's like looking for the deeper meaning on, like, how can we make life better for others or how could we serve others well you do that in patience and kindness and in love in the characteristics of god in righteousness correct living holiness the more christ-like that we are the more we are a reflection of who christ jesus Mm -hmm. is and the more we are in service to others the more we wash feet the more we open doors the more we feed people with fishes and loaves right when you strip away everyone's clothes and their cars and their money and their Mm -hmm. fame and their so no matter what it is who are they really who, who, who are we really? We are God's yeah. creation with an eternal soul that has been put in this temporary world, this temporary place. Yep. Well, you know, That's why we're a threat to everybody else. We're a threat because we are the truth. One, one thing that I'll just kind of throw, throw out there and then we can kind of wrap things up. Um, I've been listening to uh, a podcast uh, lately. It's just been talking about just some, some pitfalls that different churches have fallen into. Um, and one of them was interviewing this this pastor who's uh, who uh, pretty well known, and he he was saying something about how you know he they always kind of saw themselves as a very you know is is uh, a humble church and humble and loving and all this stuff and said he was out there and he was talking with somebody and there was some other pastors and churches that were kind of like very like not humble and you know very bold and brash and whatever and and he was talking to somebody about this. And he's like, you know, we just try to be, you know, humble and loving and whatever else. And the guy looked at him and says, really? You stopped and tried to notice your own humility? Is, is that even humility? Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and, and it was just like, so like it caught me off guard. Just, yeah. You know, and, and the reality is, is that. It's just like, you know, we, we need to strive for these things. But whenever we kind of like sit back and like, wow. I'm, I'm doing pretty good on this. You know, it's like, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back there. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, but, uh, but again, this, this verse I read a few moments ago, I think still resounds. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. And, uh, and I think that's, that's a, a prayer that we can all pray, is that God, even in your anger, remember your mercy. You know, um, let, let our lives be lives that are spent for the furthering not of, of a political agenda, but furthering the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know? and, that, and that prayer, which, again, I had read, I, I, I highlighted the first thing. I'm glad you brought that up, because remember, Habakkuk is raging at first, and all of right. a sudden there, in chapter 3, his prayer that you just read a couple times, Judah, he changes his tune with God in this. Mm. Do, you, do you notice the changes you're reading this? Because when I read it for about fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time, mm. I'm saying, okay, wow, this is like a come down, and it's he's just praying, and, and, and I started to think, so the prophet here is taking a look. I, I'm thinking this, I'm imagining this. He's looking around and saying, okay, why did God show me all this destruction, this this trouble, this iniquity that's going on? Why? Why does he show us that? Well, the prophet answers it here. He's in here. He says, God has mercy. Maybe he's showing all of this, mm. even today for us, to keep us humble. We just talked about humility. Maybe he's showing it to keep us humble. Mm. I don't know. That's one thing. Uh, maybe, as Habakkuk there, to keep him 
submissive in times of trouble. Mm. Are we like that? No, or do we want to go out and rage and, and, and again, go, going back to the primary verse there, trust in ourselves. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why God does that. Mm. Or could be maybe he wants us to value salvation a little bit more than we do now. Mm. I'll end with that for me. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, let's uh, do at least another week here um, and have a back kick because mm, I, like I think uh, I think the last uh, few verses here um, have got a lot of uh, a lot of gold in them. Uh, verse seventeen on, uh, but let let's uh, let's keep reading this, and we'll come back next week and pick it back up again. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast also consider sharing it on social media we can't wait to be back together with you at the thriving in the word podcast